Good morning, guys. Good to see all of you guys this morning and those online. Um, yeah, like Parker said, we're 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 doing that life group series. We're we're in a six week, coming to the the end of a six week message series and these small groups, life groups that we've been doing each week that have go- coincided with this. And and what we we've, we've been talking about is compassion for people. So who's been able to join a life group or at least attend sometime in the last six weeks? Awesome. Awesome. This is, this is a really important thing to us. We do life groups, these small groups, twice a year, spring and fall, and they, they go along with a message series. And it's really the way that we connect uh, more, you know, deep deeper connections and discussions and going through these things together. And so we want everybody to join one, even online, like whatever it looks like for you. We want you to be part of that every time we do that. But what we've been talking about, again, is compassion for people. Um, and, and really the why behind this series is is something that actually it feels like I haven't talked in a long time because it's been like 12 weeks since the last time I did a message. And that was because like the last message I did was this beginning, 12 weeks ago we started another series called Passion for Jesus, which which moves us into compassion for people. These two things go together. The, mo- the more passion we have for Jesus, the more his passion for us affects us, the more we love those around us and have compassion for those around us. And, and so this is like the why. We wanted this true passion for Jesus overflows to other people. And we want to bring life to people in Oxford in a way that's accessible, inviting, that it's real and genuine. And so some of the goals with this series was to you know, stir one and up towards love and, and carrying hearts of compassion everywhere we go. And, and bringing life to Oxford beyond through relationships and our spheres of influence. Wherever you are at, whatever sphere of influence, God has called you there, actually. You're there for a reason. He has sent you there. And so we want to get our minds thinking about that. We want to begin to position ourselves open to those people around us. And, you know, really challenge ourselves to get out of our comfort zones, especially with, like, conversations with non-Christians or people who have different values than we do or opinions than we do. Um, but really our number one desire would be that this isn't just a, a nice series, a six-week thing, a nice small group, but it would continue, right? Yeah. We continue and it would grow and be and multiply and, 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 and be a catalyst into more. And so, yeah, we're on this journey together, unwrapping this idea. And, and you know, like the past six weeks, if you haven't listened, please go back um, and listen to some of those messages. They're online. Everybody, Parker, John... Uh, Debbie, and then that we had an interview style thing that was awesome, so good, and so I just recommend going back and listening to those things if you haven't. Um, but you know, one of our hopes in the small groups was that you know we would take time each of us to discover a, a unique way that God wants to partner with us, like a unique way for each one of us that God wants to partner to bring life to those around you. Um, and so this morning, I want to continue that that discussion, and flesh out the question, where do we begin? Where do we begin? And so I'm going to talk first about like where we individually begin, then I'm going to talk about what it looks like for the church body, and then lay out just some practical, some practical thoughts or ideas for us to wrap our minds around, hopefully with the Holy Spirit, and finish with some heart responses. But before I do, let's just pray real quick. So Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for uh, your passion towards us, Jesus. And I ask that every single person in this room and those watching and listening would feel your passion for them today. God, wreck us with your passion for us. 
overwhelm us with your love, God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be here this morning. I know that you are here. I ask that your presence would fill this place. God, I want to just have a nice message. I want to speak your words, God. So speak your words out of my mouth, God. Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start with that question that we've really already been asking ourselves, especially in those small groups, but it's where do I begin first, right? Like individually, where do you and I each individually start? And a ma- major element of this series is relational evangelism. Honestly, it's relational evangelism. But the word, you know, the word evangelism can be such a weighty idea uh, for some of us. Um, when asking the question, where do I begin in the past, I've heard all different kinds of answers. And, you know, there's a, there's a million different ways to do evangelism. And, and this question can bring up uh, different kinds of thought processes and reactions and responses. But I kind of want to dis- demystify the whole question because, at least for me, uh, in the past when I thought about evangelism, I used to work myself up thinking of all the ways I needed to perform, right? Like, I need to get all the words right. I need to articulate this thing, this idea right, and, and, and act and prepare to do this evangelism thing that I'm going to go out and do. And, and really, it's thinking about all the things I could do to achieve the kingdom and advance it, like all the things I could do to achieve the kingdom and advance it. And, and then I think about all the quirks and weird personality traits, and I get overwhelmed, like, and, and I'd give up, and I'd say, you know what, I'm not an evangelist, like, that's not for me, that's not, like, who I am, that's not a calling on my life or the gifts, I don't really line up, oh, well, I guess I won't even try that too much. And so, but lately, as I have been growing more and more with my, in my relationship with God, my identity and my destiny, he, he brings it up again and again. And, and the Holy Spirit's really good at doing that, you know, he'll, he'll bring something back up to us <laughs> that we've, we've kind of dismissed or stopped thinking about. And he's like, hey, remember that whole evangelism thing? Uh, I know that you think you're not good at it, and you're not, but it's really important to me. You know, it's really important to me, and I want to teach you to do it the way that I do it. Um, Will you follow me? Will you be obedient and let me teach you how to do this? And so God is all about relationships. And the way that he evangelizes is powerful, and it's through relationship and into deeper relationship, the way that God evangelizes, the way that Jesus did it. More often than not, there are, you know, obviously stories where the power breaks in and then the person, you know, follow me and that kind of thing. But, but his whole life, everything that he did was relational. And he brought people on the journey with him, those who would follow, right? And into deeper relationship. And so as a team, you know, we've been thinking about this and we've committed ourselves to this. The Holy Spirit has given us a, a simple phrase or an idea that I believe is much more palatable, and you've probably heard it throughout this series, um, and that's the thought of bringing life to those around us. Just bringing life to those around us. Instead of getting overwhelmed with the thought of, I need to know all the apologetics to evangelize, right? Like, let's just bring life. We carry the life of God. We carry the source of life with us wherever we go, so we can bring life to those around us. It's a phrase that we use again and again in this series, and this idea is really at the core of the good news, It's the core of the good news. It's the ministry of Jesus, right? That's what he died and resurrected for, was to bring life. He is the source of life. He's everything. And we must be consumed with him. 
It consumed with his life. The natural progression, again, of real passion for Jesus will be compassion for people. And so as we're filled with his life, we overflow and bring life to the world around us. Romans 8 talks about how the whole world, all of creation, humanity, long for the life that we carry. They, it, the whole world longs for that life that we carry inside of us. Then this idea of bringing life, I believe, is from the Holy Spirit. It carries supernatural inspiration, and, and it brings, you know, when I think about it, it brings forth desire inside of my heart. It, 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 it Hopefully in you too, it, it engages, you know, to, this hope to engage with other people. This desire to engage with other people, it ignites ideas. The Holy Spirit ignites ideas inside of me. So just ask yourself real quick, ask the Holy Spirit, what brings me life? Let's get out of like a religious mindset, Let's get out of like this, uh, this thing that it has to be some, uh, you know, praying and worship. Those are wonderful things. I love those things. But like, what just brings you life? Where can, where can you bring life to those around you? Ask the Holy Spirit. He's got a million ways because he knows you more than you know yourself. So we need to realize that every aspect of our lives can be a connection point for others to experience the life of Jesus through. Romans 8, 28 through 29 says, you know, it's what we're created for. Paul's talking about this. He says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. That's what we're created for. That's what we were woven together for. As image bearers remade in the likeness of Jesus, we're created and destined to share his life with those around us and, and just be part of that and live in that and, and be surrounded by that and let it overflow out of us. We've been made holy. We carry his presence wherever we go, whether we feel like it or not. Right. You don't have to feel like it. You carry it no matter what. If the Bible says it, then sorry, what your opinion on that, like it says it, so we have to believe that. That's what Jesus thinks about it. He said, you carry me wherever you go. You're holy. And so we're designed for this purpose, to bring life. And so for us, that means that there's no difference between the sacred and the secular. So many times we, we think of the holy things and the unholy things, right? Like, but, but in us, all of life has become holy. All of, all of our lives have become holy, and so we need to think about that. Um, what do I mean by that? So you are holy ground. You are holy ground. Wherever you go, you're a living temple of God, and so you are holy ground. Take off your shoes. Like, kick them off. Get comfortable with this idea that you are holy ground. And so that means Every opportunity, every chance, nothing is off limits for God to encounter other people through. Have you ever seen a person on the, on the street, on the corner, um, you know, like with a sign or a microphone yelling at people, uh, telling them that they are unholy sinners and they got to turn or burn? Have you ever heard that? I saw somebody a couple weeks ago doing that. Um, and, you know, they, they at some level care about seeing those people go to heaven, I think but they're out there, and I think they're not bringing the love of Jesus. I think they're just kind of, you know, kind of making people afraid of hellfire, that kind of thing. But that, you know, like if we think about it, is that how Jesus did it? That's not how he did it. 
Jesus was and is holiness incarnate. And he went around and he hung out with sinners. And he hung out with the unclean and the rejects, and he brought them life. He cleaned them up, and he, he delivered them, and he set them free. He was comfortable hanging out with them. They didn't need to change before he hung out with them. Those that he had relationship were transformed, not by being yelled at, but by sharing life with Jesus over days and weeks and months and years. What this means is that nothing's off the table. Taking a friend to a baseball game can be a place of encounter. Asking questions about coworkers' family during a lunch break can be a place of encounter. Discussions at a bar with people can be a space for the Holy Spirit to bring life. Your living room, your house can be a space for people to encounter Jesus. So here's the thing. The kingdom of God, it's, it's not achieved, it's received. It's received. Those who hung out with Jesus didn't have to do anything but choose to receive from him and then follow him where he went, where he went after that. There's a reason that the phrase inherit the kingdom is used throughout the New Testament. And inheritance is something that we don't earn. It's something given to us. And so to be someone who brings life to others, you don't start by trying to achieve something. Instead, you just receive. You receive something for yourself, right? You gotta receive that love. You gotta receive, you know, what Jesus thinks about you. His fiery passion for you. It begins with receiving sonship, relationship, identity, destiny, purpose. When you and I receive his life, it fills us up, it changes us, it transforms us, and it, and it overflows out of us. We get so, he's, there's so much love that's filling us up that we can't contain it and it just has to spill out onto those around us. So part of this is, is realizing and getting out of old mindsets or like freeing our minds to think about those places that we're, where we're filled with life and it can overflow. And we can overthink it and we could say like, I need to clean up my act in every place. Like I need to receive, I need to be overflowing in every part of my life before I can begin to engage with others. And that's not it. Identify where life, where you enter into the most life, where you meet with Jesus or where you just, you know, come alive the most. And then say, Holy Spirit, let this place be a place of encounter. And now let me invite somebody else into this thing. Like I love movies. Like I love watching movies. And, and so like, what I've done is I've had a movie night at my house for probably over 10 years every week and invited people over to my house to watch this because it's like a fun thing and then we can talk about it afterwards and then maybe some other discussions will happen, which is the hope, but, but also just I love doing that. And the Lord can speak through so many movies. All right, you know that. He sends me clips all the time or talks about movies all the time because the Lord speaks to those things. He speaks to you however you can listen. <laughs> basically. And so that can be a place of life. So don't overthink it. Sharing meals, experiences, fun times, even through pain. Just walking along somebody, you know, with them as they go through a painful season of their lives. Um, that can be sharing good news. That can be, be real and genuine and a connection point and, and bringing life in those spaces. Making space for God encounters are all things that we should be excited about. We should be filled with joy over this this invitation to do this. 
You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be a good conversationalist. You don't have to be excellent in articulation. Um, just begin to invite others. This year, we've been part of this small group of people going through a prophetic class. And each week, we've come to... So part of this class, um, the first portion of each week is just getting in and worship and, and encountering Jesus. And what we do is we've gone through like the same scripture verse over and over and over again. And then we go home and we do it throughout the week over and over again, the same scripture verse. We meditate and, and pray it out. And for the past seven or eight weeks, probably more, we've been in Revelation 4 and 5. And for the last four weeks, we've been focused only on the phrase, worthy is the lamb who is slain. Worthy is the lamb who is slain. And Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of us laying down our lives. He's worthy of laying down our preferences and, and become available for those around us. He's worthy of that. We've got to get rid of excuses. He's worthy of our time. Parker talks about steam. <laughs> That's our, giving our skills, our time, our energy, our attention, and our money. He's worthy of that. And when he says, hey, take part of your time, take part of your energy, take part of your money and give it to this person. He's worthy of it. It's our worship. It's so awesome. We get to do this. We get to partner with God in this. It's awesome. And so, so I want to just transition and talk about, the, we're talking about what individually we, we begin in this way, but where do we begin as a whole, right? As a church, corporately. And, and the importance of this, what we've been talking about, compassion for people, what it means for us as a church body. If you spent any time around the vineyard movement as a whole, or really around any Christian movements, you probably heard the phrases passion for Jesus or compassion for people. Have you heard that before? This yeah. These phrases are used together a lot, and it could be just a po popular Christian idea or you know ideal, but I don't think it's only that. I, think, I really believe the Holy Spirit is emphasizing that to us. And it's part of the vineyard movement's DNA. If you do some research or history of the vineyard, you'll find that these are pillars of the movement. These are p pillars of the movement and always have been. And I think Parker said this a couple weeks ago, compassion for people, specifically the poor, was so important that John Wimber, um, he would say that any church plant or any church joining the vineyard uh, family, they, they, if, they, if they wanted to carry the vineyard name, they must care for the poor. That was like the biggest thing. If, if, if you, if you want to carry the name, you have to care for the poor. You have to have your eyes focused on the poor. And so as part of the Vineyard Movement, we're enter, entering a new chapter. Uh, this year is a transition. There's a transition happening in uh, the position of national director. A guy named Phil Strout has been doing it for quite a few years now. And then he's stepping out, and a new guy, a uh, Vineyard pastor from Denver, Jay Pathak, is stepping into this role. And Jay and his family and their network of churches have been on a long journey of cultivating relational evangelism. And so I highly recommend that every person that's part of this body get and read Jay's book titled The Art of Neighboring. I think we can have it up here. A picture of that up here. Yeah, so there's Jay. <laughs> there's his book. It's really challenging. It's really good. Um, and I just I encourage you guys to get that. And have a, a copy or a couple copies. I can let you borrow too. So as a movement, we're reestablishing these pillars of passion and uh, passion for Jesus and compassion for people. It's going to look a lot more practical, and it's going to be really good. As a local vineyard church, Oxford Vineyard, 
This has been part of our DNA uh, since the beginning. It's John and Kim. <laughs> That's who they are. Like, they're set on compassion for people. And, and it's part of who they are. It's part of why God called them here. And, and that what they do is they empower people to do evangelism. <laughs> and and it's, it's through relational evangelism. It's reaching the lost. It's compassion. It's mercy. It's hospitality. These things, uh, that's what they're about. It overflows out of them, and it gets on us. We want to do it, too. Like, it's awesome. Blessing people, speaking life, meeting needs, encouraging and empowering others. They live this out, John and Kim do. And not, maybe not always perfectly, right? Like, that's okay. But they're committed to following Jesus in this way and laying their lives down. They're committed to it. And we can learn from their mistakes, too. Like, I've learned so much from John in this. And it, it's not just John and Kim. It's part of our spiritual heritage as a body. There's so many people in this room. It's part of who they are. And so as God continues to develop our individual connection with him and growing us up more and more into Christ, he also welcomes us into a mission. And, and it gives us vision for something bigger than ourselves. And we become partners with the Holy Spirit and, and, and one another to see his desires to infuse and transform the spheres around us in Oxford. As this mission and vision become more clear, we realize that we can't receive the things that God wants to give us because they're so big, we can't receive them on our own. One person can't carry that. You know, two people can't carry that. It's bigger than one person. So I'll be really straightforward here, and this isn't meant to offend anyone, but if you've been coming here for a while and your passion for Jesus has not led you into deeper love for people around you, and into love for people who are different than you, there might be a problem. If you've been coming here and you haven't, haven't felt the passion of Jesus turn you towards other people, there might be a problem. You don't have to be perfect at it, but it should be the direction that you're heading towards. And so if you're not willing to examine yourself, set your heart towards bringing life to others, this might not be the church for you. There is a church somewhere for you, but this might not be it, because this is where we're going. And we want you to come with us, but this is where we're going. And as a church, it's not just a good idea. It's not a side thing. This is it. Our mission, our vision, our core values are all about this. And so, you know, we're setting ourselves on a course to see the city of Oxford transformed by the love and power of Jesus Christ. And it can't just be the pastors or the staff or the leaders in the church. It has to be everybody together. Because what the Lord wants to give us is bigger than just 10 people. Right? It's bigger than that. And so the journey of being transformed, it does start with us individually. But then the Lord wants to give us something more. And as we grow closer to Jesus, he's going to trust us with more and more. And he's going to give us these amazing ideas. And he's going to empower us to do so many awesome things. But it's, but it's really just loving people, simply. Right? As new creations, as the body and the bride of Christ, we're actually created for this. We're created for this thing. It's not, it's not just a, an option when we feel like it. This is, what, this is a command. Jesus in John 13, 34 says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So you too are to love one another. For when you demonstrate the same love that I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. Jesus said this as a standard, a standard of love for everybody who carries his name. I'm giving you a commandment, Oxford Vineyard, to love one another. 
just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another and those around you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you, by loving one another, everyone in Oxford will know that you're my true followers. We want to love this way. We want to position ourselves to love this way. In Matthew 22 and Luke 10, Jesus places the importance of loving God and loving our neighbor basically on equal footing. So these are the two most important things, loving God and loving your neighbor. Last week, Debbie asked the question or brought the question, who is my neighbor, and and the importance of this command. And a neighbor is anyone who's near. Anyone who's near. Loving others is a command. It's not easy. It requires us setting our heart and minds on it. Positioning ourselves towards others takes willpower. It takes willpower. We have to choose. We have to decide, hey, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to become available. I'm not going to be so self-centered. I'm going to look towards those around me. But willpower alone only takes most of us as far as the first disappointment. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but disappointments can derail us and get us like off compassion because it hurts sometimes, right? Or a lot of times it hurts. To love people like Jesus is actually impossible to do on our own. It's impossible to do on our own. It takes God to love others like God. And so we need supernatural grace. We need the Holy Spirit. We need one another, right? We're called the body of Christ and the people of God for a reason. I can't meet all the needs of one person, right? Last, this past week, Isaiah was not feeling well. I said it to you almost too. was not feeling well all week. And when he's miserable, I can't do much to meet his needs. <laughs> That's just a baby, right? Like, <laughs> one person can't meet all the needs of another person. It takes dozens and dozens and dozens over a lifetime. And, and, and some needs, specifically spiritual needs, can't be met by anyone, <laughs> right? It has to be God. And so, but Jesus loves to partner with his people to meet people where they're at. And so this isn't a new idea. It's always been in the heart of God. You see this on display all the way back in Genesis for the people of Israel. Um, They're supposed to be a blessing to the nations around them. That was his heart on display. They were to be a a blessing to the nations around them, that all the families of the earth would be blessed. Jesus wants to partner with us to bring freedom, deliverance, peace, life, and blessing to those around us as new creations. I said this, we're wired to do this. As image bearers of Jesus, we're created and meant to be what attracts people to Jesus. And that's something Debbie said last week that was so good and powerful. So how do we do this? Well, we've all heard messages on the next six steps to whatever, right? Like, um, but, and it can sound a little cliche, but if we're serious about discipling a church into this, if we're serious about that, then we have to get practical. We have to talk about practical things, and we can actually learn and grow our skills in partnering with the Holy Spirit in these areas, and I, I love that, and I'm all about that. So what I want to do is lay out just a couple more ideas or thoughts so that we can begin moving forward into what Jesus is calling us into. And so I have a visual here that I hope the Holy Spirit will rest on for a minute. If you could pull that up, that, that pyramid there. Has anybody seen this before? might look familiar, but this visual, visual was created by Bree, but the idea was created by a mid-1900s uh, psychologist named Abraham Maslow. Maslow studied what humans need to live to, as successfully as possible. And, and in the time, he developed what he called the hierarchy of needs, hierarchy of needs. His theory can be depicted as stacking, a stack 
set of needs that must be successfully met for people to mature to the fullest expression of their humanity. Well, this Maslow guy was not writing from a religious perspective. I don't know if he knew Jesus. That's not what he was writing from. I think it's fascinating how this correlates to the design of the gospel. Psychology finds that to be fully human, we need exactly what the gospel provides for us, what Jesus provides for us. And so you kind of see at that bottom level, right? The first is physiological needs. That's just the, our basic needs, right? You know, air, food, water, rest, health, basic needs. Every single person that's living needs those needs. They have to have those things to keep living, right? Next one would be sh safety, you know, shelter. Um, Stability, security, that kind of thing, safety. Similarly, God calls the church to be a vehicle for helping people meet those two needs specifically. As a church, we're called to meet those basic needs of people. Not the, not the government, the church is called to meet those basic needs of people. And so, you know, James, James puts forth this very uh, powerful and, and firm Command, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, this is James 2, 15 through 17. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is it? What good is it? Also, also faith by itself without works is dead. It's dead. It's God's expectation that our faith is demonstrated by our actions to meet the needs of others. Our basic, once basic survival needs are met, again, the next one is security, safety, to be safe and sound out of immediate danger. This implies that an environment that we build our lives around is without fear, right? Without fear of being attacked or the need to defend ourselves. And, 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 and thinking about the gospel, right? That's a need too, right? Like there's a need met in the, in, the, in the layers of the gospel, that, that, that eternal life, that we will be with God forever, right? There's a security in that. But, but that message of salvation for most of us is just an introductory layer. It's not the end goal, right? Like we don't just get saved and coast until we go there. It's, it's, it's a continuation thing. It, eternity, eternal life is coming into us now. And so we move on with the Lord. We develop into what God has for us. We go from glory to glory. And so... Um, as we continue on this pyramid, we need to, these needs here. They remain both natural and spiritual. The next need is just belonging, right? Inclusion, love, family, relationship. We all need that, spiritually and physically. Like, we need these things. And so it, that's what the Lord wants to meet us in. And God has made a covenant of grace, a commitment forever for his favor for us. We always belong to him, and we're always part of his family and so what we're doing is, as we go through these things, esteem, self-esteem, achievement, recognition, self-actualization, uh, significance, purpose, what I would say is, you know, more of a, a, a message of identity, right, and destiny, as the gospel brings forth. But we need to see where people are. We need to begin to see where people are in the spectrum. And even if they're at the highest point, that doesn't mean they don't need life. They do. What the Lord does with us is, as, as, we, as our life becomes more meaningful, as we begin to live for something greater than ourselves, the message of the kingdom comes into play, and we partner with the kingdom's story. 
Our mission as a church is to see the needs of people around us and partner with the Holy Spirit to bring transformative life no matter where they are on that spectrum. And no matter where you are on that spectrum. You might be just at the bottom. That's okay. There's no expectation that you need to be somewhere else before you can bring life to somebody else. Hopefully that's helpful. Hopefully the Holy Spirit can, can move on that thing and, and begin to show you places and ideas and, and areas that you can bring life. See, as, as, a, as a body, we're called to compassion and transformation. And, and we can go through the motions. We can have a good Sunday morning message series and teaching series, a small group, and we can move on and do the next thing. But I believe that there's something more that God's opening up for us today. And, and in this season, and as individuals and as a church body, I want you to understand, I'm not calling out any one person saying, hey, you're not doing this. I'm saying that we all want to do this more. We all want to step into this more. And so we, you know, we, we are corporately setting ourselves in the direction of people around us and towards the city. And, and we're inviting everyone to come with us as we follow Jesus to love more and love better. It's not about perfection. It's about obedience obedience and willingness to learn. And so uh, we're actually going to, usually we do worship and then we go into ministry time. But I felt like the Lord wanted us to do some ministry time before we go into worship. And so could, could yeah, John, Parker, Lynn, I don't know if we could get Kim, Debbie, if you guys could come up. We're just going to take some time as a body to pray through some things. And we want you guys to, to be with us in this because we can't do it on our own. <laughs> we're not called to do it on our own. This is where we're going as, as a people, as a group together. The first thing I want to do, first thing that the Lord wants us to do, is just everybody just stand up real quick. And we're just going to begin by just putting our hands out. And we, you know, we're going to receive the kingdom. Right? That's where we begin. We begin by receiving. We're not achieving anything. We're receiving first. We're receiving the kingdom. We're receiving his life. We're receiving his, uh, our inheritance. is his inheritance. We're receiving that. So Jesus, right now, we just position ourselves, God. We begin by, by positioning ourselves to receive what you have for us. If you're watching online, position yourself to receive what God has for you. We're not doing this in our own strength. That's not going to go very far. God, we want everything that you have to offer us. Ask for more, Holy Spirit. All across the room, God, just deposit right now the kingdom, life, overflowing life. The disciples walked with Jesus for 
three years. And then right as he was leaving, he said, wait for the Holy Spirit to empower you to go to the nations. So we're carriers of his name, and that's really powerful, but we need the Holy Spirit too. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And you can get empowered dozens of times. That's something that we believe hundreds of times in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to meet us again and again. So, you know, if you felt the Holy Spirit once, been baptized in the Holy Spirit once, that's awesome. Come again. <laughs> we need more Holy Spirit. So I just ask the Holy Spirit right now that you would empower, baptize us with love and power. Right now, God. Yeah, and just as we as we ease into this time, I just want to pray for um, for Holy Spirit to come, just with a just a spirit of, of repentance over us, uh, just repentance for for not walking in compassion for people, and and really we have the opportunity to set ourselves on a new course this morning. We have the opportunity to set ourselves on a new course. So Holy Spirit, I just I repent yes, for for times that I have not walked in compassion for people, for times that I have neglected to walk in my assignment from Jesus. And I just invite you to, to join me in doing the same. Um, God, God, I just ask that you would come and fill us up. Yes, God. Fill us up now, God. You're the, you are the only one that can, that can set us on the proper course, that can empower us to do this work of, of just loving people the way you love people, Jesus. So we say yes to that this morning. Yes, God. We say yes to that. I would just encourage you, like if, if specific times that you've not walked in compassion come to your mind. Just offer them up to God. Like not, not from a place of guilt or shame for that, but just a place of like, God, I know I missed it here and I'm just giving this over to you. As you do that, I just encourage you guys to ask the Holy Spirit, like as you repent, like just ask the Holy Spirit the question like, why? Why didn't I do that? What's the root? What's the core of why I didn't do that? And they just say, Holy Spirit, fill me up with life in that place. Yeah. And that give me more opportunities to try it again. Because he wants to. He wants to give us every opportunity to try it again. And Lord, help us to see others as you see them. Because you never run out of a heart for others. You never run out of compassion for others. Your heart is overflowing. So help us just to see and to experience a part of your heart for others so that we can do our little part. But our little part is an important part, Lord. We just um, invite your Holy Spirit to activate us, to open our eyes to see others as you do, Lord, and then to show us what are we to do about that knowledge? Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. More, Holy Spirit. Yes. More right now. It's a time of surrendering. Lord, we just say yes to you, Lord. love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Jesus said something really, really, really interesting. He said, uh, he kind of said, how do, how do I, how did Jesus live? He, 
he lived by this one thing. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. That's exactly what Debbie said, is, is that he, he saw. He saw the father moving. And so he moved with the father. He saw the father loving, and so he, he loved with the father. He saw the father healing, and so he healed with the father. And everywhere he went, he, he just did what he saw his father doing. And so, Lord, give us eyes to see, God, to see what you're doing. Give us a heart to, God, a surrendered heart to, to love people like you do. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus. We've been talking as a staff, as a community, as, as leaders, that we want to make a commitment as a, as a group, as a whole. It's good to have goals, right? It's good to have uh, things out in front of us and that we want to make a commitment to bring life to a hundred people this coming year, starting today, moving forward to 2022, right? A year from now that we would see life in 100 people. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that's going to be. I don't, you know, like it's not like a checkbox. I don't know, but it's just the number keeps coming to us that we want to commit to loving and bringing life to a hundred people. And the way we do that is we just love the person that's in front of us that Father gives us. That I do that, that you do that, that every person in this room that, right, there's, if we all make a commitment to just love people and to, to uh, bring life to people, that a hundred people is easy, but it's only by the power and the working of the Holy Spirit to make that happen. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. More, Holy Spirit. God, we just, we just want to surrender. We give you our yes. yes we give God. you our yes. yes. We give you our yes, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Let's go ahead and have the worship team come on up and transition into a time of worship. We'll have a little bit more ministry time at the end, but... Let's just stay in this kind of atmosphere of just see the, the peace of the Holy Spirit and his love just resting on people. So let's just receive that, right? Let's just receive that, Lord, more of your presence. We give you, give you our yes. We give you our yes. We lean into you, Lord. You transform us. Thank you. Paul said something interesting. He said, you know what? Not that I have already attained, but this one thing I do, I forget the past. I press forward. For that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me, I press forward. I press forward. We're not defined by the past. The, the past and, and everything that we've done, all of us in this room have, uh, you know what I'm saying? We haven't loved perfectly, right? We haven't done it. Let's, uh, we, we know that. 
But that's not the issue. That's all covered and, and dealt with at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's in the sea of forgetfulness. Today is a moment to just press, press forward into all that Jesus has for us. To press forward into his love. To press forward into his grace for people around us. To, to have his eyes. To have his ears. Right? Hallelujah. Come, Lord, we worship you. Come, Lord, we love you. God, we want to love you well right now. As you transform us and mold us into your image. In Jesus' name. Amen. Real quick, as we go to this worship, this is a commission to the whole body. This is a commission. We're going here together. We're going together. And so I feel like the Holy Spirit is going to begin to empower people even during worship. And so if you start to feel heat, warmth, you start feeling energized, something like that, I want you to just like make your way up here because later I think we're just going to pray for everybody else, those people who feel that way. So if you begin to feel something like that, just begin to engage with it. Ask Holy Spirit for more. Right?